Hey boys and girls, welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind. It's Monty's Rockcast. And now here's your host, Monty Calvin. Hey, 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 it's Monty. Welcome to the Rockcast. This is it right here. So glad you could join me for another episode, and uh, you know, frankly, why wouldn't you want to join me? I mean, it's free. It's free entertainment. Who wouldn't want that? I don't need this. Anyway, it's going to be a good show. I'm going to answer a lot of questions. Questions about music, uh, questions from Facebook, questions from you guys about Galactic Cowboys. And I'll also be doing the usual stuff, like probably reading a top 10 and playing some cool tunes. But let's get it started with a music question from Brady in Arkansas. And Brady wants to know if you could pick three musicians, past or present, to sit down and write with, who would they be? Okay, well, let's start out at number three with uh, somebody like Elvis Costello or Paul McCartney. And since I'm way out there in fantasy land, number two would be John Lennon. And I can only imagine how that would be. I'd be sitting there all freaked out, and he'd be sitting there strumming on his acoustic guitar, and he'd say, What do you think of this one, Monty? And I'd say, Oh, John, that's awesome. And then he'd probably say something like, Well, do you have anything that would go with it? And I'd say, well, sure, John, now listen to this. And then I'd start playing all these thrash riffs. So that would be interesting, but uh, probably the number one person I would love to write with would be Ginger from the Wild Hearts. Not only would that be fun, I think we'd probably come up with something pretty cool. But thanks for the question, Brady. Well, that was an utter waste of time. Alright, I'm pretty sure most of you know that I was in Galactic Cowboys. Otherwise, you wouldn't even be listening to me right now. So, with that in mind, uh, I get a lot of questions about Galactic Cowboys. And I recently got three questions from Matt in St. Louis. So, hopefully you'll find this interesting. I have my doubts. And Matt's first question was, whose idea was it to have those mission patches for the Galactic Cowboys albums? Okay, so uh, if you don't know, on our first album, we had these mission patches. Uh, They look like the kind that astronauts wear on their jackets or on their spacesuits. And I can't totally remember for sure, but I'm pretty sure it was Sam Taylor. He's actually the guy that suggested the name Galactic Cowboys to us. And so I'm guessing it was him. But Matt also wanted to know who designed those patches. And that was a guy named Jim McDermott. He was a professor at the University of Houston. And he did the cover and he also did the illustration for that patch. And the guy was just an amazing artist. And when it came time for the second album, he did a second patch. And we ended up making actual patches of those things and selling them. And so that was the deal on that. But Matt had one more question, which was, which galactic cowboy is the most interested in space? Uh, Well, if I had to guess, I would probably say Alan. I know he was back in the beginning uh, when we started the band, and uh, actually we all were. 
And that's why we kind of wrote a lot of songs uh, that were connected to the whole Galactic Cowboy theme. And, of course, we had the NASA Space Center down there in Houston where we lived, and so I guess it was only natural. But I'll be honest, when I first heard the name Galactic Cowboys and we decided to use it for our band name, I thought it was going to be great. I thought we'd be able to merchandise the hell out of stuff. But instead, over the years, it kind of became a burden. Our true fans, I think, really loved it, but uh, for most people, it was hard to remember. People would misspell it on the marquee. You'd pull up to the venue, and I would say something like, Tonight, Galactic Cowboy. Don't! But that's the deal with all that, and thanks for your question, Matt in St. Louis. Can we stop this nonsense? Uh, Let's see, I also got a question from Sabrina Nelson. And Sabrina asked me, do you have a favorite metal band that has one or all female members? Well, good question. You know, uh, my favorite was probably Flyleaf before that chick left the band. But other than that, you know, I like a little bit of Evanescence once in a while. Lacuna Coil is cool sometimes, as is in this moment. And, of course, I've always liked uh, The Runaways and Joan Jett, but that's more punk rock or just rock and roll. Now, I do love a lot of female singers, though, like uh, Kate Bush and uh, Tegan and Sarah, but that's just when I'm in more of a mellow mood. However, while I'm on this subject, uh, Lindsay and I went to see Bring Me the Horizon a few weeks ago, and the opening band was called Poppy. And I'd never heard of them, but as it turns out, it's a chick called Poppy. And her band was really good. Uh, They were kind of a metal thing, but it was just incredibly twisted. And they only played about 30 minutes, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. They were just really entertaining, and I looked into her, and uh, apparently she used to be just kind of a Poppy uh, pop star, uh, to kind of go along with her name, Poppy. But now she's doing this metal thing, and uh, she's got a new album coming out in January, and I'm going to have to check that out, because she's released a couple of songs from it already, and they are way out there. Some of it kind of reminds me of baby metal, and at other times it'll be kind of like Otep, and then it'll go into something that kind of sounds like, uh, you know, uh, Jellyfish, or The Beatles, or uh, Debbie Gibson. Weird! And so let me play you a little bit of it and uh, see what you think.
Yeah, I told you it was twisted, uh, which for me is a good thing. But I'm sure it's not for everyone, and uh, people will probably love or hate this. And so far, I'm kind of digging it. Here's a couple questions from Ben Straley. Ben's a really good guy. He's got some cool videos up on YouTube. And he's quite knowledgeable about Galactic Cowboys and music in general. And uh, he wanted to ask me this. Hey, Monty, you've mentioned several times that you don't drink and have never done drugs. By the way, congrats. I quit in my 20s, but I wish I had never done it in the first place. I don't think my brain ever fully recovered from doing too much of it in my teens and early 20s. My question is, did that ever lead to any awkward moments working in the music industry? Or did the fact that you were occasionally labeled with the Christian rock tag sort of protect you from the pressures to partake in that lifestyle? Well, just speaking for myself, no, I never felt any pressure whatsoever. But it was mainly because by the time I got into the music industry, I had already had years of practice. 
I mean, when you don't drink in high school or college, uh, you know, you get used to that. I used to go to parties or hang out with my friends and they were all drinking and I just never did and uh, I just never cared. It maybe should have been awkward for me, but I was just like, hey, this is me. I am a complete and utter nerd. The people that knew me knew that I didn't drink and uh, none of them really tried to pressure me. And it was kind of that way when I was on the road touring. Uh, I just got known as that guy that does not partake. Guy's a weirdo! And if I ever was uncomfortable, I'd just leave and go do something else. But as far as uh, being labeled as a Christian band, I don't know that that really had much to do with it. Some of the guys in GC used to drink once in a while after a show, but uh, we were never known as a big party band, so, uh, you know. We were funny and we had a good time, but uh, we were never that crazy. Boring! Uh, Ben had another question, and uh, he says, It sounds like in the early days you played with a lot of acts who were under the Christian rock banner. In hanging out with Christian rock acts in general, did you feel that the lifestyle was somewhat cleaner behind the scenes than being out with the other regular metal bands? Or would you say you observed a lot of similar behavior of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll in both arenas? Well, another excellent question there, Ben. Uh, You know, I did play with a Christian band back in the 80s. I was a hired gun for a Christian artist named Morgan Cryer. He hired me to be his bass player, and I toured with him for about a year. And from what I saw, it was all pretty squeaky clean. I never saw any debauchery going on, especially from Morgan. That guy was the poster boy for pure as the driven snow Christian. But I don't think he was always too sure about us, the guys in his band. We had the weird haircuts and uh, had the big nasty bass tone even back then. And at some point every night, uh, Morgan would stop the show and uh, talk to the crowd and he'd go, You know, believe it or not, these guys really are Christians. They're scum buckets. So no, I didn't see a lot of sex, drugs, and I didn't even see a lot of rock and roll coming out of the Christian music industry. It was mostly a lot of cheesy pop, and uh, for the most part, a lot of those stars back then were kind of arrogant and phony. I guess when you're a big fish in a small market, maybe it goes to your head. Because when I'd go up and try to talk to people like Michael W. Smith or DeGarmo Key or whatever their name was, uh, they didn't have the time of day for me. And by the time Morgan let the whole band go so he could go sing along with recorded tracks, uh, you know, I had a really bad taste in my mouth. And at one point, I was asked to audition for Petra. But I turned it down, dyed my hair red, grew it down to my elbows, and started a metal band and went and played some bars. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. But not to say that the whole Christian music industry thing was a bad experience for me. Because a lot of it was a lot of fun, and I met a lot of people that, uh, you know, ended up uh, leading to other things. So it was a good, uh, you know, a good building block. I learned a lot from it, and I also uh, met Alan Doss while I was in uh, Morgan's band. And somebody asked me the other day, uh, did you have an instant chemistry with Alan uh, from the very beginning, or is it something you guys had to develop? And the answer is, uh, it was instant. From the very first practice we ever had together, uh, we just clicked, and uh, I became a better bass player because of him. 
And I've played with some other good drummers, but I've just never locked in with anybody the way I do Alan. Well, isn't that interesting? Okay, uh, I've got another question here from Jennifer Hamilton. And Jennifer wants to know, do I have any brothers or sisters? And the answer is yes, I have an older brother. He lives in Phoenix, Arizona, where I was born and grew up. We only talk to each other maybe twice a year, usually around Christmas, and then later on in the year we catch up. And I don't know if I've ever talked about him on the show before, but uh, he's a good guy. I love him a lot, but he was always that older brother that would always put me in my place. Like, when I was in college, I was around 21, and uh, he came back for a visit, and I played him a new song I'd written. And he sat there and listened, and he's like, "Uh, hmm, not making any money at that, though, are you? And I was like, "Uh, well, no, no, I'm not. That is pathetic. But years later, I'm in Galactic Cowboys, and he came out to see one of our shows when we were opening for Dream Theater. And afterwards, I'm hanging out, and people are coming up and telling me I'm great, and I'm signing autographs, and all of a sudden, he comes walking over. And he says, "Uh, what was that your uh, singer said about you when you were on stage? And I said, oh, you mean uh, right before the bass solo? And he goes, yeah, what did he call you? And I said, "Uh, well, he he said, uh, I'm the wild man on Monster Bass. And my brother looks at me and goes, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, that's a big brother for you. But he's kind of changed a little over the last few years and lightened up on me a little. And I think I may know what did it. Because uh, when Lindsay and I got married in Vegas, uh, on our way home, we stopped back through Phoenix. And I introduced him to Lindsay, and it seems like ever since then, he's uh, had a little bit more respect for me and uh, doesn't seem to think I'm quite as big a loser anymore. Oh, yeah! (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Uh, Jennifer Hamilton also had a couple of questions for me about some Galactic Cowboy songs. First one is, can you give me a breakdown on that killer riff and lyrics to track 11 on uh, Machine Fish, patting yourself on the back? Who's the guy you were talking about, and is it a true story or something you just wrote with nobody in mind? Okay, Jennifer, well, uh, yeah, patting yourself on the back. Let's see, that song kind of went like uh, this. Okay, so uh, first of all, the riff in that song, uh, I think it was in Drop D, I'm pretty sure, because I think I was writing everything in Drop D back then. 
And for anybody that doesn't know or doesn't play guitar, uh, drop D is when you just take the E string, the lower one, and just lower it to D. And the rest of the guitar stays in a standard tuning, but uh, you just got that lower uh, D string that just sounds really heavy. And so I'm pretty sure that's what I did for that. But as far as the lyrics and the meaning of the song, well, believe it or not, I actually wrote that about Nancy Kerrigan. It was back around that time when she'd gotten whacked on the knee by one of Tanya Harding's goons. And when I saw the news footage of it, you know, you wanted to feel sorry for her, but at the same time, she's just sitting there going, Why? Why me? Why? And every interview I saw of her from then on, she just kind of seemed like a spoiled brat. And I probably judged her a little too harshly, but uh, for some reason it just made me want to write a song about people that think a little bit too much of themselves. Someday your arm's gonna snap for patting yourself on the back. 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 Jennifer Hamilton had a third question about the song Believing the Hype. And Jennifer says, uh, when I read the lyrics to that song, uh, I saw the word never mind. And I said, aha, that's a jab telling the listener the Nirvana Nevermind album was overrated and that grunge stole your thunder and the record company then put the screws to Galactic Cowboys. Am I right? And did you write that song? Well, yeah, Jen, uh, I did write the music to that song. I also wrote some of the words, and uh, I think Ben wrote the verses. And so we combined some of our ideas, and it kind of ended up being like a song about either Galactic Cowboys, or it could be about another band. You know, one of those bands that everyone is constantly saying, uh, they're criminally underrated. They should have been huge. But there's definitely parts about us in there, and uh, yes, that uh, that line about Nevermind was a reference to Nirvana. Yeah, that's probably my favorite part in that whole song. But uh, there you go, Jennifer, a little breakdown of uh, Believing the Hype. Now you're a sucker, believe in the hype. Now you're a sucker, believe in the hype. Now you're a sucker, believe in the hype. 
right, so I've answered some of your questions. How about some questions from the almighty Facebook? Me personally, I can do without it. People post random questions on Facebook all the time, and I steal them and use them for my show. And here's one. It's, what was your first job? Well, for me, it was kind of a built-in situation. My dad owned his own upholstery shop. And he'd make me come in after school and pull staples out of old furniture and stuff like that. It wasn't very hard, but I did get a lot of cuts on my fingers. But I ended up working for him on and off over the years, uh, but I never did really want to do it myself for a living. I probably should have because I could have taken over his business after he retired, but uh, I wanted to do other things like play music. Uh, A very, very bad decision. But that was my first job. This is fascinating. The next one comes from Butch Jones on Facebook, and he says, What are your favorite three Rush albums? Well, for me, I am very old school Rush, and I mean very old. I was with them up through Farewell to Kings. I even saw them on that tour. And I also liked Hemispheres. But the less that Getty screamed and the more keyboards that they started adding, the kind of the more I drifted away. I still liked them, but I just wasn't the huge fan that I was in the beginning. And so my three favorites are three of their early, early albums. Number three would be Fly By Night. Number two would be uh, 2112. And number one, I would have All the World's a Stage live album. I had it on vinyl and all four sides kick ass. Getty Lee, best bass player ever. Come on. All right, here's a good one. Uh, name a classic rock album you can play without skipping a song. Okay, well, this should be easy, right? Well, you would think so, but, you know, uh, take, for instance, Frampton Comes Alive. Uh, Yeah, it's every song. Great. Wait a minute. Doobie Wah. No. That's the one I would always skip because it would remind me of the Doobie Brothers. But there's actually a lot of albums I could listen to all the way through without skipping a song, like uh, Strangers in the Night by UFO, the whole thing, great. Get Your Wings by Aerosmith. Uh, I could also listen to Rocks all the way through. At this point, I'm not crazy about Back in the Saddle, but I would still listen to it. I could also listen to Thin Lizzy's Live and Dangerous album. I would also say Left Overture by Kansas and uh, probably their first album. And I might even say the first Van Halen album, except I'm a little bit tired of You Really Got Me. Oh! So I might skip that one. But other than that, that album was killer, and it still is. Yeah! Atomic Punk, Little Dreamer, I'm on fire! And of course, Running with the Devil. Oh God, I'm running! Here's another one from Butch Jones on Facebook, and he randomly asks everybody, what's your favorite three Iron Maiden albums? Okay, well, mine are probably going to be different than most people's, but uh, my favorite, I'll start with that one. It's uh, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. That had Moonchild and The Clairvoyant, and I just loved that album. Number two would be Somewhere in Time. But number three is kind of tough. I might go with one of the live albums, like Live After Death. 
But as far as a studio album, I'm actually going to go with No Prayer for the Dying. Say what? Yeah, I actually liked a lot of the songs on there, like uh, Hooks in You, Holy Smoke. And that album also had Tail Gunner on there, which I think is a very underrated Iron Maiden song. One more from Facebook, and this question is, what's everyone been listening to? Anything new? Anything good? Well, Facebook, I'm glad you asked. Because actually, yes, uh, this is my pick of the month. It's a brand new CD from Dayshell. It's called Mr. Pain. And if you don't know anything about Dayshell, well, let me tell you. It features a guy that used to be in Of Mice and Men. He used to play bass for him, and uh, he was a great singer. And I was real sad when he left of Mice and Men, but I was real happy when I found out he had a new band. And so let's take a listen to a little bit of this new album. Oh 
This is the third album from Shell. The first one was great. The second one was uh, okay. And this new one is really good. At the very least, by the time you finish listening to this album, you're going to go, Oh my God, that guy can sing his ass off. singer's name is Shaley Bourget, and he's at least in my top 15 vocalists of all time. I just love his voice. So there's something new you can check out. Or more than likely, uh, you're sitting there right now thinking, uh, yeah, there's another one of those bands that Monty likes that I can't stand. That's correct. of satanic whacked out crap is that time now for a top 10 list and this one comes from dan in ontario canada and dan says that he binge listened the rock cast over this past summer and he says in hopes of contributing to the show and inspiring others to likewise binge listen i have submitted my top 10 random moments from the summer of the rock cast And these are things that I learned or enjoyed hearing about from the binge listening. Well, all right. Sounds good, Dan. Let's get it going with number 10. And he says, getting Mr. Kitty. I could tell you were thrilled. Well, yes. In the beginning, uh, I was definitely not happy. And, uh, you know, I never dreamed I would have a cat in my house, much less two. But believe it or not, we've actually had him about four or five years now. And I'll have to admit, I've kind of grown fond of him. Oh, my God. And he just loves the hell out of me. And I'll tell you why. It's because I give him exactly what he wants. Unlike Lindsay, who tries to put sweaters on him and uh, hold him like a baby, I just rub his belly, and he freaking loves that. In fact, if he sees me walking toward the bedroom, he will shoot up the stairs ahead of me and throw himself onto his back and be waiting there for me. 
And about nine times out of ten, I will just go ahead and give in and uh, give him the belly rub. Oh, isn't that sweet? However, he still pisses me off when he tears up the carpet. Isn't that just precious? Number nine on Dan's list is I share your hatred of mandals. Oh, yes, the dreaded man sandal. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You will never catch me in a pair of those, especially with socks on. And in an age where everyone gets offended and wants to make anything that they don't like illegal, I think mandals should be outlawed. Absolutely. I'm fine with assault weapons, but uh, get those mandals off the streets. No one needs to see those. They're disgusting. All right, number eight. At some point, you mentioned working on a book. Very intriguing. Any update on the current status or thoughts on that? Uh, Yeah, the book I've been working on is my life story, and it is an ongoing project. It seems like I'm always busy with something else, so no, it's still not done, but, you know, hopefully someday. I've gone through it about three or four times now and rewritten stuff and revised it, uh, but the good news is that it gets better each time I do that. But, yeah, I'll just have to keep you updated on the progress of that. Uh, yeah, look for that in five years. Number seven is Dan loved the stories about my Apple computer being possessed by the devil. And it's evil. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it still is. At this point, I probably need a new one. I've had it about nine or ten years. But there's just something always going wrong with it. Uh, Presently, I can't get the iTunes store. I've still got iTunes with all my music on it, but when I try to go to the store, I just get these messages that says, Nope, that's the devil. At number six, Dan says, It's great to see your love for Beyonce, Justin Bieber, and all music industry award shows. Yeah, I used to watch those so you didn't have to, but I just can't do it anymore. I can't stand any of those performers, and I still don't understand why people think that Beyonce is so awesome and so hot. Do you see those tree trunks for legs? Number five on Dan's list is, uh, was a heartfelt moment hearing about Zoe moving back to Kansas City and also hearing about your wedding to Lindsay. Well, cool. I'm glad you enjoy that, Dan. I like to talk about music and all that stuff, but I also like to tell you a little bit about my personal life and uh, try to keep it real. No, it's all phony. Number four is the awesome music industry stories covering everything from Sam Taylor days to all things crunchy. Yeah, I'm always happy to share stories about my past and all that stuff. Uh, If you have any questions about any of that, uh, just drop me a line. I mean, who cares? None of it matters! Number three on Dan's list is, It's great to see that you're familiar with some of the cool Canadian bands. Not just Early Rush, but the newer stuff like The Pursuit of Happiness, Billy Talent, and a fave of mine, Devin Townsend. Yeah, I've always liked a lot of Canadian bands. Uh, I used to have that channel, Much Music, but that went away one day on my cable provider. But while I had it, I was hearing about all kinds of Canadian bands like the Doughboys. They were really cool. And yeah, Billy Talent. Love that band. I'll admit I've never heard of the guy. At number two, Dan says, I really enjoy listening to you read great listener emails. 
including always making me laugh when I hear you mention Mr. David Whiteman. The new face of evil. Huh, okay, Dan. Well, uh, I have no idea why you would think that was funny, but uh, I'm glad it makes you laugh. It's true, David has sent me some good emails. I may not always agree with him, but hey, that's what makes life interesting. Clearly the guy is nuts. And that would bring me to number one on Dan in Canada's list, which is, I was thrilled to see that we share the same love of all things Seinfeld. Everything from the story about Dr. Kramer and the infamous kidney stones to all this reminding me of the killer, crunchy song, Jerk Store. Well, great job, Dan. And uh, it's true, uh, my crunchy song, Jerk Store, was indeed inspired by Seinfeld. But thanks so much for the list, and thanks for binge listening to Rockcast. Well, the jerk store called, and they're running out of you. All right, don't forget to check out my website. Uh, one is montycalvin.net. You can find CDs, T-shirts, and lots of cool photos. And montycalvinart.com, where you can find a lot of paintings that I've done. And speaking of which, you know, uh, we got Christmas coming up here pretty soon. How about a really nice gift for somebody? You know, you're tired of buying the same old crap. How about getting them something unique? Or maybe there's a painting on there that you want. Uh, How about sending your wife a link and saying, hey, could you get this for me? Let's hold our breath and see if that actually happens. Anyway, just an idea, and it all goes to a good cause. Me. How dare you? Okay, let's see. Uh, I got a question about a month ago from Greg Grossman. And Greg wanted to know who I was rooting for in the Major League Baseball playoffs and World Series. And, you know, you might think I was rooting for the Astros because I used to live in Houston. But, no, I hate the Houston Astros. It's like they've turned into the New York Yankees or something. While teams like the Royals can't afford to re-sign anybody, the Astros can somehow have a Hall of Fame pitching staff and pay everyone $100 million to stay there. And yet, to my delight, they still lost anyway. Despite all the all-stars and, from what I hear, despite cheating. So, in that sense, maybe they're more like the Patriots. Hey, come on! Now, while I'm on the subject of sports, I might as well tell you that I'm trying to make it through the entire NBA season without watching one single L.A. Lakers game. 
Which, trust me, it's really not that easy because it seems like they're on TV almost every single night. But LeBron James has so ruined the game of basketball for me, which used to be my favorite sport, that I have decided that I'm going to boycott LeBron James. Whoa! For at least half the season. That's very bold of you. And finally, I got one more question here from Butch Austin. And Butch says, your last rock cast was encouraging and insightful to the ups and downs of relationships. Everything from frolicking in the ocean doing God knows what to getting punched in the face over throwing her phone into the yard. Any chance you and Lindsay could do a monthly how-to advice segment for all of us out here trying to hang on to the same marriage roller coaster? Well, that's a great idea, Butch. I think we'll try and do that. Lindsay and I have certainly had our shares of ups and downs, and uh, I would love to be helpful. And the first suggestion that I would make is probably uh, just try to do a lot of frolicking. Oh, yes. In fact, the more frolicking and God knows what else, the more your chances decrease of getting punched in the face. I believe that's very valid. So keep that in mind, and in the meantime, I'll try to talk to Lindsay, and maybe we can get a new segment going. But since I'm about out of time on this episode, uh, I guess I'll just play out with a song. And this one is from a band called Issues. And they've got a new album called Beautiful Oblivion. Lindsay and I saw them a few years ago at Warp Tour, but it's not what you think. They're not a screamo band. But what they are is a very weird mixture of metal and uh, jazz and uh, pop music and R&B but they're just phenomenal musicians. So I thought I'd try it out on you. I know some of you are a little weird and out there, and you might like this kind of stuff. So check it out and let me know what you think. Sick and twisted, you bet. Anyway, that'll do it for me for now. I will be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this has been Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me. And rock on.
has been Monty's Rockcast. And that's the end of it!